Before we start this episode of Dr Whodcast, we'd like to draw your attention to BLAM UK, a charity which promotes a truthful discourse of blackness through analysis of history by providing more diverse education for young people. Right now, you can donate to help BLAM organise free lessons on black history for children. And if you are a white fan of Doctor Who and want to continue to learn, educate and be more actively anti-racist, I'd like to recommend the podcast Woke Doctor Who, who have done several episodes on how race in both the fandom and the show has been portrayed. I'd especially recommend the episode Martha My Dear, which goes a long way to explain the toxic institutionalised racism that we as Doctor Who fans need to reject in ourselves and in our community to create a better world. Will, I have to ask you a question. Please do. <laughs> now? Now, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, do you think we missed a trick recording this episode the weekend after Father's Day? Yes, we really did. No. <laughs> I, I I thought that as soon as I was doing this. Like, oh, that would have been nice if I'd watched that on Father's Day. It would have been cute. Why didn't we record last weekend? W- was there a reason? Uh, no. We, we recorded earlier that week. I think, oh yes, we recorded earlier that week. It was still early on in my move. Yeah, was, Maybe that's just my own it was, excuse. It was later <laughs> on in your move than it was in my move. That's true. Oh, maybe it was your move. No, because we recorded after my move. Oh, okay. We recorded the long game on a Wednesday. I don't know if the listeners know, but we, we had we both moved. Uh, we we both, know, hey guys, we both moved. Uh, <laughs> rob our houses. Just don't know if we made that clear enough. I just want to make that de- desperately sure that we, we, we're clear. We um, both were isolating at home and we both went back to London. Did we mention that in the last episode? I don't know, because we don't want to make it about us. No, we never do that. Never. But yeah, Will, tell me about your personal life. <laughs> How's um, that going? It's going great. It's going going wonderful. L- love COVID. It's really good for personal connections and life. Although having said that, where are you now, Charlie? Can I say? <laughs> you can Am s- I allowed to say that? Probably not, actually. <laughs> Will Rishi Sunak take away my small business grant? I'm Ooh. wearing a mask, but it's not covering my mouth. Mask or mask? It's it's like a domino mask. Oh, like oh, yeah. Was it, it got like the like you, you, you color in your eyes and then you put the mask on top? <laughs> it's one of those masks. Uh, I the only time I've seen a superhero do that is in Kickass. You trying to remember that movie? Yes, I've watched it such a long time ago. I watched Kickass two more recently. It's bad. It's really bad. It's so bad. Jim Carrey is really bad in it, and that's annoying. Oh me. no, I think Jim Carrey's the best thing about it, but he's mm. hardly in it. Oh, I don't. I disagree. I think he's really bad in that film. I, I love Jim, Jim Carrey. Carrey. He's like the one person in that movie that seems like they're having fun. Potentially, potentially. Um, yeah. Um, I I really I really like the first one. Probably like it less in retrospect. Yeah. I mean, can you take a, it or leave it? I can take or leave. Kickass, Kickass one. I love. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, you're talking about Kickass one. Talking about Kickass one. Kickass two's dog shit. <laughs> Kickass one. I think. The problem with Kick-Ass 1 for me is the film peaks in the first minute and a half. Where that superhero falls off the, the tower. No, that's just The Incredibles. Is it? What is <laughs> There's like a whole thing in The Incredibles where a guy... It's actually Mr. Incredible saving a guy jumping off a building. Yes. But he's not a superhero. Oh, no, he does things he he can fly. No, no, he can't. He's committing suicide. Which is dark as fuck for a Pixar movie. Well, that's we The Incredibles. Should cut, we should cut this bit. <laughs> Just, just in case Disney attack our rights. No, Disney's not that good. Oh, okay, fair enough. The, the, the doctor, we are friends and we record podcast cast. Yay! Well, we said we changed the, the, the inflection on Doctor Who cast. Well, every I'm, week. I'm killing it. <laughs> we released our first episode this week. 
Um, obviously, this is weird to say in when we're recording Father's Day, episode, episode eight. eight. <laughs> um, the ninth episode we let's, recorded. Let's just say it, editing took me a bit of time, but it's done. And I think it's a it's really done. good product. Um, it's solid. And we got a really good response from a lot of people. From a couple of people. From a couple of people. You know, new the podcast. The good thing is it can only get better from there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When you, when you like, release the podcast and you just see what two plays and it's the two people who are on the podcast. That's always really motivating. Yeah, you it's sent really... me a really reassuring message and I sent you a yeah. solid message. <laughs> exactly. We're like, oh, well, at least it's being listened so it's, to it's, by it's, us. It's like perfect 100% approval from people who listen to it, what? which is just us. Well, isn't that the important thing about podcasts? the people who make it can actually listen back to it no the important thing is to sell Squarespace <laughs> and Harry's razors why don't we just start by saying this is season one episode eight Father's Day written by uh, Paul Cornell Paul Cornell West. who we thought we did think it was Rusty Davis until we watched this episode uh, uh, again until we googled it yes until we googled it <laughs> until we Wikipedia the page we, th- we thought it was one thing and then we were corrected and here we are that brings us up to now have you seen him talk Paul Cornell before no he is the most posh man I've ever met in my life and it's and he has like but basically I saw the Doctor Who Confidential for this week and he did like a little like this is my story etc and he was like he just was like the drama of the scenario <laughs> like it was it was truly amazing um Paul Cornell um come on our, come on our podcast um or don't it's, or your don't. Cho- it's your choice Paul Cornell also has, out of all the writers of Doctor Who, almost the perfect track record. No, no, we, we've discussed this. If it's a track record of black and white, good and bad, I think it is perfect. Yeah, okay, yeah. Um, if you, yeah, I suppose, what, what you can't really, like, say there is a pop perfect Doctor Who episode, can you? Ooh, I don't <laughs> Heaven know. Heaven sense. I don't know. Waters, <laughs> Waters of Mars is pretty good. Oh, Waters of Mars is pretty, oh my god, I cannot wait to review that one. It's such one that you need to review. Anyway, uh, Father's Day. Hi, um, guys. Hi. <laughs> um, Father's Day. Um, so the one word test. Um, what would you describe? If you could describe this episode in one word, what would it be? And I'm smiling because I think we've got the same words. Do you want to say Do you want to try it at the same time? Three, two, one. Daddy. Daddy. <laughs> Well, there we go. That's that. That's that, been... that, that's our podcast over. Yeah. That. Thank you. Thank you for listening, thank you for listening this week. This thank will you. Be the last episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's so bad because it's such an emotional episode. This episode is a episode that I have um on I have not watched a lot of times because people in my own personal circle have had their own and also myself have had their own issues with like daddy issues and fatherhood. And Do this you... episode is just like is that like... something you want you want to talk about? Um. Yeah, why not? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's something I like to talk about, and then just the complete silence. Um, but well, not, not, I, not what, on air. What I will say is that what I will say, keeping it as vague as possible, is that Pete Tyler saying the words um, like it, "I'm I'm your dad." It's 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 my re, it's it's my it's what's it's my privilege for it to be my fault. It's something no. like that. Um, is, You're I'm, I'm your dad. It's meant. It's my job for it to be my fault. Or yes, that's like, it. It's, yeah, it's something, something, something along those lines. lines. But it's actually based on something Paul Cornell's dad said to him. Yes, I and I read that when I was reading up up for this, and I was like, that made it hit even harder. Um, so yeah, without without going into any more depth, um, that is a real thing about this podcast. That this podcast, no, it's, <laughs> this podcast brings up all my daddy issues. No, um, this, it doesn't bring up mine. <laughs> well, because it's like an mine. deflating lilo. I it's, it's my, gr- I great mine, shape. I saved mine for another podcast. um but yeah i think just in in this that's why this episode was so special yeah um for me in any way um and i think it i think we we talked about this earlier like it's just so focused it's an episode that is just it does such a great job of being so focused on a particular issue like a a wound in time so why don't you give us a quick rundown of the plot and i will play the countdown theme tune yes please do um I wonder how this is going to sound live. Who cares? <laughs> who cares? That's who knows? Who cares? No? Yes? No? No? No. 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 Okay. Okay. Well, no, there's an ad. There's an ad. It's an ad for Netflix. This this isn't an ad for Netflix. No, this isn't an ad for Netflix. Although... Right. Tell us what happens on Father's Day, Will. Um, 
they basically um, Rose and the Doctor travel to 1987 to, to see Rose's dad die and spend time with him as he dies. Um, Rose accidentally saves her father, which make, makes these Time Reapers come and like destroy everything in the worst like predator effects I've ever seen in my life. Um, <laughs> they all run into a church to save money on special effects. The Doctor <laughs> dies, um, and then um, Pete realizes that he needs to die to save everyone, and then Rose cries a lot. That was spectacular, and you actually kept to thirty seconds. Well, time, I'll tell you what: wonderful. doing, doing. Well, it's very hard to do when the countdown sound you can only bake vaguely hear on Zoom, and it like it's one of those things on Zoom when like all like on, <laughs> you know on Zoom when like the yellow bar like sort of quivers. It's not like fully there. That is the equivalent of how little I can hear that countdown music. <laughs> I can hear, I can just hear da 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 da. Oh, it's it's over. Great. That's all I can hear. I'm doing this for your own good. So, so that we don't tangent. I mean, no, that's gone so well. I just need you. <laughs> I just need you to focus the fuck up, William. Like this episode, focus on what it's achieving, and don't include any extraneous things. Love the word extraneous. Um, let's talk about the episode as a start. Um, I like, I love this episode. Yeah, it's fucking fabulous. Um, it's so good. I remember liking it, thinking that I was going to like it less, but then every single time. I have subsequently watched it. I really, really enjoy it. There's something also nice in eighties about it. I also think it's the best that the Doctor Who soundtrack is used in the um, in the whole of season one. Not in Doctor Who, because it, because season one in general potentially Rose, potentially Rose. Um, but I think it's probably the best soundtrack. Um, yeah, uh, I really like it. I mean, you know more about how soundtracks are used than I do because you pointed it out to me when it's used well and when it isn't used well. But I have to agree with you, I really like the way the soundtrack's used. Um, but no, I, I really like this episode, and I really like how it fleshes out Rose. Yeah. And, and it's nice that the it's nice that when a companion makes a mistake, and there's a classic, like, ah, oh, fucking Rose moment, and, like, lots of things in the in, in previous episodes, it's, 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 a, it's a mistake out of naivety about the, about the world of who, about, the, like, this can happen, of causation. Whereas this is a... Is a um, the hugest mistake Rose ever made, but it's all about like emotional heart. I'm pretty and... sure touching the Dalek was pretty bad. Yeah, that was what. Yeah, that. Like but that's two hundred a... people died. But that's like a oh fucking Rose scenario. Whereas this, oh, I like, think... I can't be, I can't be as easily I, annoyed look, at Rose. Look, for this. I, I still think it comes from a place of naivety. Yes. Which you know, through no fault of her her own, but I think that. It's also from a place of, until you see the consequences, you don't think, oh, how dare she? You think, yeah, well, why not? Yeah. Uh, and I think that's a really, that's a really cool direction for the show to go in. Um, interestingly, I think originally the script implied that Rose had been planning to do this from the very beginning. But then they took it out and left it ambiguous and Billy Piper didn't play it like that. So I'm taking it as canon that it was a thing she thought about later. I like that the ambiguity is there. I do, I, but I think that in my head, I'd always thought that Rose just acted gutturally. It was, in, it was as she says. She considered it later. Yes, and considered it later. Um, I think potentially there's always a part of me that thinks that like, not that, she, that, that Rose thought that... I think there's always a part of Rose that has always wanted to have this trip with the Doctor to see her dad, not but not to save her dad, if that makes sense. I feel like in my own headcanon, and we talk about our own fucking headcanon almost every bloody episode, um, I think that Rose wanted to ask the Doctor this from the moment she stepped in the TARDIS to see her dad, but has just been building up the courage to do it by this point but not save her dad but not save her dad no and that's the crucial difference so what I was thinking is the first place they go isn't his death it's her parents wedding mm. which is extremely underwhelming so I wonder if she didn't eat she knew she wanted to see her dad like you said but maybe she thought she'd be seeing him at his best yes and then she thought oh okay well at least I can do this yeah and by do this I mean be there and not save him I think that is played as an impulse what do you think of that wedding scene i love it i think it's fabulous <laughs> i think it's just like this it's silly i like i like the job that pete and camille, camille kadari is brilliant in this whole episode i love what this episode does to flesh out jackie yes as you know jackie is my favorite character at least the rusty davis 
series. She's she's amazing. Um, but yeah, I, I I love it. I also love, in in a subtle way, what it says about Jackie that she isn't great at articulating emotion in the moment, but it's lovely that the version she gave of Pete to Rose is so different to the one which we see. Yeah, it's a her, that, that is her own lived reality of what Pete was like to live with. And it kind of shows that she is able to see the best in people, even while having a an understanding of their weaknesses and their flaws. Well, I think that like one of my least favourite scripted moments, but not in terms of emotional impact, is that is the scene where J- Jackie after Jackie Rose and Pete have a sort of like bust up, so to speak. Um, they then they they may, then make up, and I don't think that the makeup is written very well because it's like it basically takes all the points that Jackie and Pete had previously said in an argument and immediately resolve them in. Like I don't feel like like. Are you talking about outside the whole scene outside the church? Yes, just before. But no, they don't. But, they don't fully make up. I disagree with you there. I thought no, but I think in a real, in a real situation where let's say you've had an argument with someone and you come back to that argument. And like a couple of minutes later, etc., with a cooled head, you don't immediately solve the argument. There is a, there is a. But you have cooled down. Yes. Emotionally cooled down, but the grievances she's made. But it also feels like a fight they've had before, and that's true. They're not gonna. Why would they blow up now rather than earlier? And I suppose also at their friend's wedding. Ex- exactly. Yeah. It's. I think it's weirder that they have the fight at all in front of all those people. Hmm. Which. I think it's just a convenience so you can kind of see it through Rose's eyes. Well, I th- I think I disagree with you on that at that point because I think that the reason I think Jack the reason Jackie has that fight is because it's because she sees Rose. I think that it's yeah. a, it's a, it's, a tr- it's an immediate trigger. Like I think that like no matter if and it's really interesting like the the fact that Pete's like cheating and not cheating is left ambiguous. I was thinking that yeah, it's. It, it is it is a really interesting thing. Is he flirting with Rose, or is he just like a cheeky flirty guy? Um, first viewing, I thought he was flirting with Rose, and th- now I'm more leading to that. I think he's just naturally because I, I I watching it again, I go back to the first encounter that he and Rose had, and he wants to leave. He's like, "Thanks for saving me. Bye." Yeah, and I think that if I think that. Not necessarily in real life, but like narratively and like in on on TV. If there was if there was hints of like the flirting, apart from later on, it would have happened almost immediately. Like a oh look at you, Stunner. Like almost a look or something else in that first scene. Yeah. Whereas I think that like Pete later on is just flirting and trying his luck because that's the kind of guy Pete is, and not necessarily because it's direct not, not with an end game in mind, just because he's trying to cheer her up. Yeah, exactly. And I also think that it's the. <laughs> The, the 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 fun writing in the toxic masculinity is like your your boyfriend leaves you oh you need cheering up by, by being flirted at but like yeah that is that so is maybe that maybe it's just not aged brilliantly yes but then you could argue that it's aged as it would age in 1987 but then I was also no I, I that's I, made I, that's I don't, think, I don't think there was as much change between 1987 and 2005 in that respect as there was between 2005 and 2020. Yeah, and then I also would like like my other point that I was about to make in the episode is you can't pretend something 1987 by having three posters, <laughs> like one that says Thatcher and Thatch down with Thatcher rise of socialism, um, like bad a wolf. bad wolf, and then a 1980s poster. Wait, bad wolf is in this episode. Uh, there's a poster bad wolf oh. behind and I didn't see it on first viewing oh I'm glad that you saw that because I, I saw I saw. is it when there's a shot of Rose and the Doctor behind, peeking behind the wall and then behind them that, that I shot I can't remember but it's in that scene it's in that scene okay uh, yeah but just going back to the question of Pete Rose does have that line where she says oh I don't even want to think about it because that you know is terrible it's terrible and you know you don't even know where that is is it is it him saying, is she referring to him saying, I'm not flirting with you, as if it would, because, as if it would even be a possibility, or is it her saying, stop flirting with me? 
Good question. Is a problem with the possibility, him acknowledging even the possibility, or is it that he's doing it? And I, and I, 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 I don't know. Um, I don't know either. Um, because otherwise it's a bit Back to the Future. Yeah, that's a, I, yeah, that is. <laughs> it's a bit Back to the Future. Love that. Back to the future? Um, I, I, I always look at that moment as like Rose. Like as soon as Pete hits that, he hits the flirting moment. Rose, Rose immediately, Rose like shuts it down as soon as it even gets mentioned, um, and um, without without any hint of hesitation, like without yeah, yeah, and also without a degree of scale, so to speak. Yeah, and I also think that the once he realizes she's his daughter, then he um. It's not like, oh my god, I was flirting with my daughter. There's no reference to it. So so I think it is more innocent because he doesn't then have to, like, check himself and hit himself. Well, exactly. And I also think that it would make the... Like, if, if he was flirting with Rose, or, like, if he was flirting intentionally with Rose, it makes what Jackie's fearful about kind of right. And in this episode, it's it should be more, left more ambiguous. Yeah, I agree. I think that the ambiguity... The ambiguity is great because that is the past and that is the people you lose there are things that you don't know about and even when spending time with people you still don't know the whole deal yeah and it's very human where it's where it's 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 just a it's just a more human thing of like like a, it, feel, it feels more like a real life lived relationship because of it what I, what I would say though is that what we see of their relationship pre-crisis is that Jackie is constantly putting him down. Sorry, every time you say crisis, I think of Crisis in Infinite Earths. Me too. I'm just like, Crisis no, no, of no. Infinite Earths. <laughs> that was loud. <laughs> we can see our like, sound yeah, yeah, we can. <laughs> as we're doing this. But the thing is, because I'm sitting slightly further away and you're sitting really far forward, you can tell when I'm speaking because it's just kind of a, a bit bumpy. Yeah. Whereas with you, it's like a mountain range. Yeah, yeah. Soft, soft gay little my ass. Um <laughs> <laughs> That was a comment about my voice, which I really taken very happy. I'm really happy with with. But I just don't believe. <laughs> um. Yeah. So what was this? Oh, yeah. so Jackie is constantly putting Pete down, and not that that is justification for whatever he did or didn't do, but you do see that the environment in which they're living and struggling, yeah, is a toxic one. So even if even if he wasn't cheating. There are real issues that, in a lot of ways, were never addressed before he died. Yes, exactly. And I think, and I, yeah, and I think that Jackie, in dealing with those real issues, allows Rose to not grow up with any of them, and to paint this picture, which is again. But but I don't think that's a bad thing to do. I think. No, no, I'm not saying that it's a it's a deception for for like a bad deception. But also, that's maybe where Jackie is emotionally all those like ten years later. Let's Mm. say. Yeah. So, so yeah, uh, we actually didn't get to talk about the Doctor. No, we didn't. We just talked about tragedy instead. Um, but I'm very glad we talked because I, I, I want to talk more about Pete and Pete and Jackie. And but I'm glad I mean, that we, we could do a whole episode for that. Well, I mean, that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. <laughs> um, but I want to like, I, I think that I'm glad we talked about them first because they are, I think, the emotional hearts of this episode. So what this episode shows is the Doctor just makes everything about him. He is he is incredibly He is rough in this episode. Yeah, he is rough 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 in this episode. He is honest. He is meow. Yeah. I have never seen a doctor be this dark with a companion. I'm not going to say that actually. Colin Breaker does try to st- strangle Perry. Um It's different. He had amnesia. Yeah, he, he that was justifies it. Yes, justifies it so much. Um but yeah, the, when the when he says the line to Rose, just like just just as, just say that you're sorry. Like I was like, what kind of gaslighty bullshit is this? Are you doing, Doctor? I mean, he's you like you feel you do feel like he could have said because you're going to see you know your dying relative. You, you'd feel like he could have said, "Don't try to save him." Yeah, and, and maybe it just speaks to him thinking it's obvious and he takes it for granted or doesn't even want to have the conversation. But he could have told, like, been really explicit. And I think compared to last episode where we were like, 
he was a ball of fucking joy um, and was like probably the most human we've seen him like I'll give a hug to anyone and then in this episode it goes he goes reverts back to being straight up alien do you think he misses Adam <laughs> Adam gave him more human sight I think he just needs a man to hate and in this episode he it's couldn't Pete. Well, no, in this episode, he couldn't fully put it on Pete. There's a moment when he walks into the flat and the Doctor smiles awkwardly at Pete. And I was like, you just want to hate that man, don't you, Chris Freckleston? But you can't... Uh, not Chris Freckleston. Chris Freckleston, I'm not alleging, hates men. Um, or Sean Dingwall. Or Sean. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no. Think, think he might. He might, yeah. Didn't have a great time filming this episode. He got ill and had a cold. <laughs> He looks like he's wearing, like, fucking fluorescent sheen. glitter. He has a sheen. He has a complete sheen. It looks like he's, like, being made up. It's like, like the, the look for today is we're, like, we're taking stars, literally, and we're going to paint your whole face with glitter. Michael, Martin, and Charlie. That is how much sheen he has on his face. <laughs> for those of you that couldn't see, which is all of you, the face on... <laughs> On Will was just. It was. It was. Where are you going with this? I honestly, I was, I was, <laughs> I was blown away by that joke because I was like, you just started saying random names, and I was like, what? Um. Anyway, after I've explained your joke, are you happy that I explained your joke? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I'm gonna put a Twitter poll once this episode goes up. <laughs> yeah. Did on, Will explain that joke well? On Twitter. I'll, anyway. On Twitter. And yes, that's what you said in the first episode. Twitter. On Twitter. Anyway. Um, this is weird because we're talking about an episode that came, will have come out like two months ago. <laughs> yes, I know. Everyone at this point is like, like why we are we know. talking about Rose so much? We fucking know. We know. So we listened we, to it, it eight weeks ago. We listened to it yesterday. No, probably nine weeks because it was a bonus episode. Anyway. Um, Billy Piper is amazing in this episode. Billy Piper is one. First of all, Rose done fucked up. Mm-hmm. Rose done fucked up. But this episode, the, the, Billy Piper is so good in this episode that you... I. I do not consider Rose Tyler fucking up in this <laughs> compared to like other ones. Um, apart from when she holds the baby the second time. That yeah, is... that, that's a bit like, okay, you've seen the consequences. Yeah, you've well, literally does, seen does the she, whole of humanity question, dying. Does she forget or do they like thrust it into her hands? I think she's holding out her arms because she, I know the... The baby's all swaddled so she doesn't like... She'd have to touch the skin. Or is it having any physical effect on the baby at all? So even if the baby's wearing like loads of blankets... It's like the ripple, the, the literal idea of ripples in time, like a ripple of a blanket can well, do it. Uh, c- kind of, like, it's still touching the baby's skin in a way that it wouldn't have done before. Yeah, but then you could make that whole impact of anywhere Rose touches in that own timeline. Yeah, is... well, it's soft sci-fi. It's soft sci-fi. It's, it's like... The rules are so confusing. I, someone made this point, I was listening to Doctor Who Confidential, and it was like, for a show that is about time travel... The mechanics of time travel show up very of like the butterfly effect um, idea of time travel. I think that's part of its charm though, because it has so much potential and opens up to so many different writers' interpretations. Well, also that the the character is a time lord, so they've got they've got to grips with time, so they know what to do. The As opposed to knows what he's doing. He knows well, apart from when he shows up to the wrong place all the time. <laughs> this doctor doesn't. This doctor plans, and again. Like End of the World, he planned a fucking weird place for Rose to go to. Well, in this one. Well, yeah. He wrote, no, it is her choice. But he should never have allowed it. He's, he's trying to be nice. I don't know. I just think that it's a... I just think that, like... No, I, I think it's in spite of himself that he goes... Because it's not his idea of a fun adventure. No, that's true. It's not his ideal thing. He hates Jackie. And <laughs> he really does hate Jackie. Um, but, back, but back onto Rose. The crying... That Billy Piper does in this episode. That's great cry acting. It's amazing cry acting. It's because it's it's different every time. Like, r- like what's amazing about Billy Piper crying in this episode is it's it's different for when she when she's crying that like Peter's slowly realizing. It's different from when she's like crying at the start because she's sad um, about Pete dying. It's different when she's like finally like. There's so much range in what seems on the surface quite a similar emotion. Yeah, uh, exactly. And and what. My favorite thing, my favorite version of it is when she's stopped crying, but she's got the tears in her eyes yeah. when she's explaining like, what she, what Pete did for her, like to, like took her after school and etc. And that's a very different type of crying that could re, could they could all have blended into one. They really don't. Her and Sean Dingwall have really good chemistry, especially yeah. considering he's only seven years older than her. And that the original casting was Simon Pegg, which you told me this morning. What? Which is insane. Insane. Imagine if Simon Pegg was Pete Tyler. It, honestly. 
Sean Dingle hasn't been in a huge amount, so it's so easy for me to just see him as Pete Tyler. Yes. Simon Pegg, I would just be thinking now, not not at the time, but now I'd just be thinking that's Simon Pegg. Yeah, exactly. And I don't, I, I don't. Simon Pegg has been really good at acting in a lot of things, but but I don't know. This episode's quite soapy. It is quite soapy. I don't know in, how he in, fit... in a good way. Simon Pegg fits into the long game better than I think he would have fitted into this episode. I think he because it's such camper. a good time in yeah. the long game. He, he, that's just him. Like, I just felt like it was so Simon Pegg that that part. Do you feel a bit like Pete Tyler would have been a waste of Simon Pegg? Not that it's a boring character, but like Simon Pegg is so funny, and Pete Tyler, there wasn't much space for him to be that funny. I think it would have been cool to see him do dramatic roles early in his career. Because if, if you remember, I'd love Simon... to see him read for it. <laughs> like everyone who read for the Eighth Doctor. Do you know what I think? That like that, there must be like if we. I, Simon Pegg's acting on Twitter, so we could uh, at this point because obviously the podcast has been released in eight and weeks' time. We'll have a thousand listeners, so obviously. <laughs> so we could like lobby Simon Pegg's. Like, have you got that footage? And can I, you release it? I don't know. I imagine he didn't read for it. I I, I think it was because he was he's already done space at this. Point. Like champagne casting. Like he's like just asked. Yeah, well, he's a big fan. Of, he's a huge Doctor Who fan. Mm. And like Rusty Davis must have known he wanted him for something. Yeah, that's true. So um, the editor feels so much like it was written for Simon Pegg. Yes. Um, so I, if it's there, I'd love to see it. I'm not holding out hope for it. No, and true. I've um, not got the energy. I've not got the, too much Doctor Who content. There's <laughs> never too much Doctor Who. There is never too much Doctor Who. There, we there, did, you there, didn't hear it here. here there folks. is just a Stephen Moffat. <laughs> so rude. Um, back to Rose for a yeah. fi- final once and final time. Um, in this episode. Do you think that what's her, what's your favorite moment of her in this episode? Because there's so many, I think this is like a masterclass in Billy Piper acting of this episode. My favorite moment, oh, we have like our favorite moment overall, so I want to make it different. Too. Yeah, My yeah, that's what that's overall. why I want. My to... favorite moment, what it says about Rose is where Peter's saying, "I never took you on picnics, I never read your bedtime stories, and I, I wasn't there for you." And she said, "You would have been." And I, and I love that bit because the way she delivers it, it's like she isn't that convinced. Mm. It's, I believe that the dad her mum told her about would have been. The Pete Tyler we see, if no tragedy happened, she never met the dad. We, we don't know how her life would have turned out. Yeah. But she's saying that because not only does she want it to be true, because he's about to die, mm. it is about to be true. Because he would have been. Because he'll never get the chance to prove her wrong. Yes. And I, it's I, such a subtle delivery in the way she says she would have been because she never got the chance to find out and that was the tragedy. But now he'll never get the chance to step up in the way that he now understands that he needs to. Mm. But unfortunately, the tragedy is it's only once he knows he has to kill himself that he is ready to stand up and be the man that his family needs. Yes. And he has to die to be that man. Mm, that yeah, it's, that's so sad. And it also means that Rose, th- Rose's last lasting impression of Pete, at the end of this episode, is actually not drastically changed from her impression of Pete from the big from before this episode. Is Ooh, that it's? I don't I don't know about that. I, I I think her feeling of positivity is the same, but I think she has more details. Well, yes, she yes. she knows that he had a. He was a bit of a loser. But I think that what his sacrifice does to for Rose is that, like, it puts back on the rose-tinted glasses around... Oh, I didn't even realise I did that. <laughs> um, the rose-tinted glasses around, like, around around his death. Because... What's amazing is now it's earned. Yes, yes. That I suppose that's the difference, yeah. It's not an accident... It's a sacrifice now. Mm. He earns the love that he never got to... Um, what's the word? But he earns the love that he never got to get from her. Yeah. Be- from his death. Um, that's a really beautiful moment to pick up on, Rose. Um, and the reason I'm talking like this is because my moment is not that. My moment is... My favourite moment is her blank staring at Jackie. Um... And her hair, and just, just, she's like your hair, 
Um, but it's like she stares at her for like there's a continuous panning shot. It's about four to five seconds, and it's a long time. And it's the full look of like her body's like full rigor mortis. Like she's like completely like stuck. And it's and it's because Pete. Peter's a Peter's a is a abstract in her life that she's only heard things about. Jackie. This is the first person that she knows in the present that she sees in the past. Exactly. Yes. Which is which is an even more crazy scenario. And then I just like the fact that it's like the her first thing, and it's 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 the selling of the surprise of just like the, the your hair, like because it's it's everything. It's not just obviously Jackie's hair, but like it's just the it's just the only thing she can say right now. It's just is that. But it also. It speaks to the closeness of Jackie and Rose after the events of this episode. Mm. That she has, she is mates with her mum. Maybe a bit less after Aliens in London, but her mum and her are extremely close. Mm. And she can say things like, oh my god, your hair. And she would say that. Yes. But she can't because she doesn't have a relationship with this woman. Yes, until the end where they hug. And when Jackie hugs Rose at the end and she finally gets it and just like... I'll come here. It's like that kind of... It's great. It's great. Um, we could talk about Jackie Rose, Tyler. Jackie Tyler, and Pete Tyler forever. Um, what was your favourite moment of this episode? Good question. Um, as you know, I'm a sucker for all things like period drama, so I loved everything with the big phones. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. No, but... You're like, ashes to ashes, this is my jam. Uh, our friends in the, in the north. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Chris Freckleston being amazing. That's not. Is that the one where he's Jesus? No, that's the second coming. Oh okay. Our friends in the north. Just a tangent. It's him, Daniel Craig, Mark Strong, and Gina McKee in like their first like big big performances. Um, where it's basically playing a group of friends from Newcastle, starting in the sixties, ending in the nineties. Okay. And how like the and how politics and the areas changed tangent i would recommend it to anyone it's an amazing amazing show well i think that they i think that the <laughs> anything chris freckleston related i want to recommend to the high hills but the problem is is the only other thing except I, for thor the dark world exactly it's the only other thing i've fucking seen him in is thor the fucking dark world and it's such a bad film yeah, this is the only other thing you've seen him in yeah you should watch the a word never seen it so the a word is a show about a boy i think in lancashire or something or somewhere um with autism. Right. And how that affects his family. And Chris Jackson plays his granddad. Uh, oh. And I was... I, I met someone yesterday... <laughs> Double daddy issues. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, I was at a barbecue yesterday and I met someone who um, works at the BBC in Salford. And he'd been working on the A-word and he had met Chris Freckleston and I asked, what's he like? And he said, honestly, just... The way you think of him, if you like him, is probably right. Like, he's a bit crotchety, but such a generous and big-hearted guy mm. which was really nice to hear yeah i think that i think that i've got i've always got this idea of christopher eccleston as someone who's very intense about his work but is at like deep down is like the biggest softie in the world but the a word's quite not it doesn't seem like hugely demanding it's like it's a family drama it's not no yeah it's not got the pressure that doctor who has and the money behind it that doctor who has well, I, that's the thing I think about with him leaving Doctor Who is I don't think it's about, I mean, I know it's about like, I know it's about like the the fucking production being a mess. And like, we've looked up on this season. We're now very aware that this production was a mess for this yeah, season. it was a hot mess. And like every episode, we every fucking episode we read on, I don't know why I'm swearing so much on this podcast. Um, I have to put the little explicit tick on this one. Um, is but, the explicit tick on the last one? No. You didn't put, okay. Can we do that? Yeah. Can we do that now? Yeah, let's let's do it. Do it after we record this. Do it after we record this. Um, <laughs> um, just to let people know what they're uh, listening to, um, and to not surprise them when uh, yeah. we, we immediately start talking about piss. Um, <laughs> you, not me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> do I regret it? Yes. Would I do it again? Absolutely. Hundred <laughs> percent. Um, but what was I saying? Oh yeah. Um, I, every episode they said was meant to be a money saver. Every episode was meant to be a money saver and they horrendously overspent on every episode. I don't know, I have not seen an episode yet where they didn't overspend. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's mad. And it, that includes End of the World with that fucking curtain in the background. Which I still haven't got over. You think I've got over it? No, never. I don't think you've got over it. 
I haven't made that mistake. <laughs> um, my so, so uh, my actual my actual favorite moment now that I'm thinking about it is the bit before the wedding. It's basically just the argument that the that Rose and the dogs have because what I like about it is it's not just a blow up. It's not just shouting. It is people who care about each other very much, who understand each other's point of view very well. Yeah. And even though Rose is objectively, quote-unquote, in the wrong, the Doctor still doesn't fully see it like that. And you can see how much he doesn't want to be angry with her. And she. And you can see how much she doesn't want to have to defend herself to him. She doesn't want him. But she also doesn't want him to be angry at her. Yeah. What I love isn't how serious the fight, because it is obviously a serious fight, but how much it shows they care about each other. And that's what I got from that scene. Finito? Um, yeah, that's, a, I, I really like that. Um, I'm just, th- just thinking about my favorite moment. Again, it's not, it's not as like profound. Um, it's my music choice for the 1980s music. What, Rick Astley? It, it's the, it's the two choices are perfectly suited for this episode. It's n- not just Rick Astley never going to give you up because Rick obviously, gonna... you know, that's. She doesn't give him up. Yeah, that's a metaphor in itself and he doesn't give him up. She doesn't ever give him up. Do you but... think that was intentional? Was it just like, oh, that's an. Yes, because of the other 80s song that's in this episode, which, which is, is when the the Doctor and Rose fight, like, first, like, yeah. go onto the road. It's, what um, the Communards Never Gonna Say Goodbye, or the, is it the Bronsky Beats or Communards? Why the fuck are you asking me? <laughs> you just go, I thought that was a thing of, like, oh, yes, that song. It's actually, oh, I have no idea what you're talking no, about. No, I, I know which bit you're talking about. I know what song you're talking about. I don't know the name of the song. Um, I, neither do I, but I, basically, the reason I like it is that it's... It's Rusty Davis queering f- family drama again. And I know that's another thing. <laughs> it's like, oh, here we go. Hold up. Will's like talking about um, the campness of Doctor Who again. No, but no, like, no, go ahead. But like, like I, those two <laughs> those two specific moments of music, I think, are A, um, never going to say goodbye. Obviously, that's like, again. Yeah. I, I did not know that's what the song was called. I don't know if it's called that, but that was the lyrics that was being sung. Never going to say goodbye. Ooh, oh, oh. If you want to hear how it should sound. <laughs> yes. We'll put a link in the description. We won't actually because that will get we, podcast we'll banned. Say what, we'll say what the song is. Yeah, we'll put it as a... Yeah, exactly. We'll, we'll actually... This has gone really well. This has gone really well. But, um, yeah, I just like I just like those two song picks. I think that they are... Strong. I think they're perfect 80s songs as well. Here's a question. Was Never Gonna Give You Up as... Obviously, the concept of memes has changed so much, but... Was it so emblematic of that genre at the time? Do you think it's, oh, here's this 80s song that will kind of show people it's an 80s song, but it's not so on the nose, and it has, like, a nice lyrical... I don't know, because I think... I've always thought that the the fascination with Rick Astley is to do with the fact that he was what he was wearing in that music video and how he was dancing. Yeah, but there's also Rick Rolling, which has become, like, its own thing now. Uh, Yes, but I don't... But I'm thinking that, like, at the time... Like the sort of the weird yeah. gyrating granddad hips. That's everyone in the eighties. <laughs> well, Rick Astley did it better than everyone else. Um, hey, when moved... David Bowie and Mick Jagger in Dancing in the Street. Yes, but they do it. They do it. There's a campness to Rick Astley that they. That I'm not. I can't believe I'm saying that David Bowie isn't camp, considering he's like one of like. It's probably one of the like the the old gender non-conforming. Gender non-conforming David Bowie, not camp crazy. <laughs> Rick Astley. <laughs> Rick Astley is so much camp. Tilda Swinton looking David Bowie. <laughs> <laughs> You're just a Tilda Swinton knock knock off David Bowie. I can't even say it. That's so funny. Um, what was your least favorite moment? Um. Good question. That hasn't happened in all of our episodes of Doctor Who this far. We haven't had a pause for least favourite moments. My least favorite, maybe it's because this is the episode without a, an obvious weak point. I, I, I guess the I guess if there was an obvious one, it would be... It's not so much the design of the Reapers, it's just the more we see of them, the less silly they look. The more silly they look. Yeah, I think the same thing. Well, we, when... You see it in the church. It yeah. looks really fleshed out, and you see the scales, and you see the skin. But I think it's also it's when you see it from the side, it looks shit. Yeah, the side is hovering. It looks like bulky from the side. It looks like it shouldn't. It shouldn't be flying. It's also the the. I mean, this is also my least favorite moment. It's 
the the <laughs> it's the it's the weird noise that goes like like that noise. Oh, no, it, that's, as, it's a sound effect. It's a vulture. Yes, but like it's that paired with like the like the the hands up, um, like the like like the tiny type Tyrannosaurus hands that it does yeah. before it's about to do its prey. It's like it's you, doing. You like don't a, mind the design overall. No, I don't. I think that they just didn't have enough budget to make it look good in other shots. I think far away it looks stupid. Close up, it looks good. I think if this if this was a if this was a Doctor Who monster that was developed in let's say the eleventh like Matt Smith's time when the budget the budget for special effects went up and, again and also the technology and the technology was better. Um, I think it would have been a great design, great concept, and people would be like, "That's a crazy cool monster." The original design for for the Reapers, um, which they're never called, by the way, in the episode. What are they called? They're not called anything. They're those creatures. Those creatures. They never called them the Reapers, which. Part of the thing about them is they're just vague as hell. We never, we haven't actually talked about the monsters or villains, but it's not really they're, they're there to add like urgency and stakes, but they're not that interesting. They're quite vague. The original design, one or at least one of the original designs, was something looking like the Grim Reaper. Mm. I don't know if I'd have liked that. Yeah, I think it would have been a bit too on the nose, especially when I think I think what I liked about these creatures is that they. Although they were like very like we had no idea what they were. Um, I mean, the line of like, "Why is it aliens?" I was like, "Well, we, we... Well, maybe <laughs> exactly." But don't, you don't explain it, you don't. You don't, and we don't need you to. Well, you don't need you to. But I like they're, the fact they're there for plot. They're not there because they're interesting. But I like the fact that they're more like scale-like and etc. Because they and it, it kind of I like the description of them as bacteria closing up a time wound. Yeah, and they're the things in the outskirts. And they, I think they if they remind... were a literal embodiment of the Grim Reaper, it would, that be would... About, it would be about death, not about time. Exactly. Yes, and that's not the the theme of the episode. Is more about closing a wound. We... Oh, okay. Emotional or oh, did you yeah. think of that? No, I didn't. It's closing an emotional wound as well as a she gets closure, physical one. She gets. Oh, oof! It's oof. like synergy. Very, very good. Very good. Very very, very good. Uh, so, the doctor says at one point, "Yeah, this is like one of the last places where there are humans on planet Earth." So, like that happened quickly. Yeah, no, they, really they, quickly. Those are the most time-efficient monsters we've seen. Also, I know that churches are old, but ch- there's they're not double glazed. <laughs> they're still glass. Yeah, it's like <laughs> you can bite through flesh really easily. Yeah, I bet. Like eventually, it's like oh, this. You know how cold churches get eventually they're like oh fuck this let, 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 let's just go up to the time reapers is this getting too cold in this church I'm not sleeping in here overnight do you know how much drafty churches are uh, uh that's jackie saying all of that in my mind um, um uh, I, I didn't expect any different no definitely not um i suppose this is time for us to go on easter eggs and i think i've got a couple for this week oh go on um paul cornell um has done lots of target novelizations as well as um doctor who novels before writing this mm-hmm. and i thought it was a quite a nice touch that the last target novelization he did of like retelling a doctor who story was for twice upon a time oh and i really i just really like that i think That's it's really nice i think it's also like it's it kind of like closes off the end of an i always think about stephen moffat and russell t davis eras as almost joined because chris chibnall is less of chris chibnall did write a couple of episodes and was especially in season seven was a big part of season seven yeah but I don't think of him as part of the Doctor Who furniture as much as St- Stephen Moffat was in the first series. And Mark Gatiss. And Mark Gatiss, exactly. I feel I feel like those four... Is, did Chris Chibnall those... write uh, t- target novelizations as well? Chris Chibnall. Um, Bef- before New Who came out. That's a really good question. The, the thing I know him mainly for is that <laughs> about being a Doctor Who fan is that like interview in the 80s where he slags off Colin Baker. Colin Baker. And then he... I'll have to look into that. Oh, it's fabulous. Well, he also, like, he complains about Doctor Who for the, the exact same pro- points that he then created himself in The Timeless Child. That was exactly what he was angry about. Because <laughs> he was complaining against Trial of a Time Lord being too, like, fucking out there. And I was like, what, have you, did you read your script for Timeless Children? Um, anyway, um, Chris Chibnall, beso- Chris Chibnall um, aside. As- just a generally aside. Um, I've got some general Easter eggs. So before so I, you talk to me about some Easter eggs, I, for this I episode. think I've spoken about all the ones that. Oh wait, is that? 
Oh, j- just a nice one, Camille Kadori. It's actually she's wearing a wig. It's yes. Yep, she's wearing a wig. That, that's that's the only one I have to offer. Yep, that's a really good one. Also, I did not remember the wig. I thought she just had like a drag queen going <laughs> like. And drag queens don't wear wigs. No, but you can. Drag queens know how to tease hair. I have seen drag queens take a wig that is this small and turn it into huge hair. Um, not me. I am a drag queen, but I can't do hair to save my life. Um, interestingly, it was I. One of my favorite. This is a tangent about me. Anyway, doesn't matter. Um, one of my favorite drag queens called Ginny Lemon. If you've never heard of Ginny Lemon, look her up. She is a Birmingham drag queen who is the craziest fucking person in the world. Amazing. I met her at Mighty Hoopla, and she gave that was her one advice to me. It was like, do your own wigs because you can make one hairstyle look into turn into like twenty. Okay. And that is a really good piece of advice. Um, but my point of that is, drag queens and drag queens know what to do with hair. They can make. Camilla Kadori's hair looked like that without so a wig. So you think a drag queen was helping her? Oh no, because she was wearing a wig. Well, I also... I, it, it's, Rusty Davis seemed to keep on popping into... Like, it, on Wikipedia, I keep on reading like every gay bar that Rusty Davis kept on popping into. Um, <laughs> maybe not on Wikipedia. Um, I think Pink News more <laughs> likely. Um, but he, so, so maybe a drag queen was on set helping. I don't know. Tweet us and find out. Um, the other piece of um, Easter eggs, the other Easter egg I have for <laughs> this episode is so many Easter eggs. We're about to get type two diabetes. Yes, is um, Dalek and Father's Day were filmed in the same shooting block. That's very interesting. Which I think is especially interesting, considering Dalek is probably the most doctor-focused episode, and then I would say this one is the most Rose-focused episode. So they did the intense Doctor and Rose stuff back to back. So which block was Long Game filmed in? Uh, filmed by itself. That's so interesting. It was filmed by itself and it's with a separate director. Um, okay. And it was filmed directly after Father's Day and Dalek's shooting block. That's um, so interesting. So for, for our viewers, I might, I've got it all here so we can refer back to this podcast. We, we have like a niche obsession with shooting schedules. Well, I think this one is so important because I, I've, I'm always fascinated to know because this season started off with Chris Freckleston being the Doctor and ended with him leaving. And I'm always interested to know in what shooting block he decided to leave. Yeah. And I... I, I th- I've heard it, it, it was around this one. Yeah, and that's... I think it potentially is around this one. Um, because that's maybe why he was so moody for Long Game, which you were talked about with Simon Because this, this was a hard episode to film. Yes. Because of the weather. Because of the weather. There's so and, many exterior shots. Well, and also maybe... This is, again, headcanon. Um, maybe he... This was also after Dalek, where he had to... Um, where he was shirtless, and we know from his memoirs that he was then struggling with anorexia. Um, so maybe this is it. Maybe this is the one that this is the one that broke the straw on the camel's back, so to uh, say. Another thing is that you, you mentioned how he's quite nice in the long game. Mm. If he's shooting Dalek and Father's Day back to back, both of them are the do- are the Doctor being quite grey. Yes, quite questionable in a lot of ways. And I wonder if it just it created a negative vibe on set. Maybe we, we we don't know. I don't. We don't I, know. I don't want to speculate too much about this. And I think enough people have speculated about why Christopher Eccleston um, felt like he couldn't continue with the show. I think it's a fascination that all fans have because because the show has got the show has got so big again, and also it's an institution, and also this Chris- version of the Doctor had so much potential. Exactly, and, and delivered I, on it in a lot of ways. And I think that it's 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 almost like a a martyrdom for the for the first the Christopher Eccleston's Doctor because you don't see him in anything else. He's but, like it's a special it's a special season because of that. But what I will say is that if he was having such a rotten time making at least the latter half of the series, I'm choking up a bit now. Mm. It is such a testament to him and his talent that his performances across the board are so brilliant. Yeah. In spite of how... Di- I mean, I know he's a professional, I know he's an actor, and I know you can say that about so many people, but I appreciate that even though he wasn't having the best time, we still have 13 episodes of him being fantastic. Being fucking incredible, yeah. Um... I think, I, I think also, we'll talk more about that when we get to his later episodes. And I think at, at the beginning of the podcast, before we did Rose, um, we both... You watched it at the time, I think, but um, I watched the scene where a, a little boy is on um, Mastermind Junior. and he's, I saw it at the time, yeah. You saw it at the time, yeah. And 
um, Christopher Eccleston as the Doctor, or Christopher Eccleston's Doctor is that version of the Doctor, and the kid asks him those questions. And in that interview, he's delightful and kind and charming, and a lot of people give Eccleston a lot of shit for not doing what the Doctor's role was. Yeah. And actually, he did it. He did it probably better than a lot of them. And and also, fuck those guys. Yeah, I mean, he, he owes you nothing. He owes you. Yeah, he, what? Yeah, what he gave was already enough. He doesn't need to give any more. But also, I saw a lot of people every so often. I don't. This is going off on, on a big tangent. No, I'm very glad you are. But um, every so often, you see uh, things like this. If there's a Doctor Who reunion or something, and recently there was Children in Needs, um, where all the surviving Doctors, Bar Eccleston, um, came and gave a tribute to the frontline NHS workers. Which was a very, very sweet thing to do. I saw a lot of people on Twitter getting very arsy about the fact that Eccleston hadn't wanted to be involved. And it made, it made, it made me sad. Not, not that he didn't do it. I mean, that to an extent, because I'm a big fan. Yeah, love the same But I, 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 I just... It's people only seeing the show as something for them to consume, not something that people have to make. Yes. And that is very taxing, particularly if all the pressure is on you to be the star. And and all your pressure is on you to revive a series that was uniformly laughed at for years and years and years with a showrunner that's got an incredible pressure on his back and not much budget to do it on. Yeah. Um, and also filming in... <laughs> in filming in Cardiff. Filming in fucking Cardiff. <laughs> I'm sorry, Cardiff is a beautiful place. I've been before, but like that weather is not nice. Not to live. No, not to live. No, for a holiday, it's gorgeous. I've never been to Cardiff. I have been once, and it was okay. Was it raining? It was raining. <laughs> but you know what? I um I went to Glasgow five to six times a year, so I'm used to shitty weather. My grandma used to say of Glasgow, um, on it, Glasgow summer is a day that's not raining. <laughs> Jack of which always loved. But, um, um, yeah, that, that was a nice lengthy tribute to Chris Brooks. Yeah, I'm really glad we did that. Do you have any Easter eggs? Or um, do we go to our ratings? These are general Easter eggs, but I really want okay. really to tell them because I'm, I found these out when I was having a look and I really liked them. Um, he, he didn't want any previous writers on Classic Who when he was writing Doctor Who. Wow. Um, but he, the only person that he would have considered if they were still alive was Robert Holmes, who was the um, prolific... Um, Basically, he's to classic Who fans. He is the like the best writer of the eighties. Of the, uh, he was a Tom Baker. So it was, it was the late Tom Baker, early Tom Baker. Um, Tom Baker finished in the eighties. I think a bit of both. I think I'm he, Who would still be alive? He took over, I think, in the the start of the Sarah Jane stuff, and then finished at the. So he started in Pertwee. Potentially, no, because per no, because there was a different showrunner. Because I remember the robot was written by the previous showrunner because he wanted to keep an keep an eye on it, and then because robot is such a unit story, um, and then suddenly the Doctor's going on crazy adventures again, mm-hmm. um, and that was Robert Holmes, I believe. Um, I might be wrong. If any classic Who fans want to call me out, please call me out. Um, but he, um, I believe that like it was that heyday period of Doctor Who. Um, was and I think that maybe later on, yeah, I think it was the time of um sort of Genesis of the Daleks time, mm-hmm. um the the first appearance of the Zygons, all of that kind of stuff. Talons of Wang Shang, um it's nice <laughs> yeah. when Doctor Who was gothic, creepy and racist. Um oh yeah, that checks out. <laughs> that checks out. Uh, and my last fact, and this is fucking mad. You're saving the best to last. That, yes, because right, I saw this. Me, I saw this. And I was like, Ross T. Davis, you're a fucking idiot. But you're a madman, and I love you for this. Davis was interested in making an episode that would serve as a crossover with Star Trek Enterprise and would involve the TARDIS landing on board the NX-01. The idea was officially discussed, but the plans were abandoned following the cancellation of Enterprise in February 2005. That's what meant it didn't happen. That's that the meant... show was cancelled. No. Not, not, no, no, not no. because... Not because it was a bad idea. No, because the show was cancelled. But it's a bad idea. It's a terrible idea. And he, Ross... Did, Russ, that could have sunk the show. Never mind, like, c- people complained about Chris Chibnall's Timeless Children. That would have sunk the show. They were <laughs> doing a Star Jesus. Wars holiday special for Doctor Who with, en- oh with Enterprise. Um, I want so, to see it. <laughs> I kind of... That's the thing. I really want to see it because I really liked that sh- em- Enterprise. I've not seen it, but like... It was the one with Jonathan Archer as the captain. Um, I'd love Picard as a, as a companion. 
Pig Adam's companion? Yeah. Oh, that would be good. Just like for a couple of episodes. And then Wesley Crusher is, is Adam. <laughs> Shut up, Wesley. <laughs> um, not that kind of doctor. Shall we go on to that segment? Because I don't have anything for that segment. Not, not so much for the doctor, except that they are very coupley in this episode. I yes. also feel like we need that segments become quite redundant since we talk about sexual tension in the main body of the episode. Oh yeah, we talk about sexual tension whenever we get the chance. Um, and then we talk about the podcast. But I would like to rename the segment um, Pete and Jackie. Damn! Because, wow! I texted Will during the... Because um, we, we watched it in our flats at the same time. Yes. And I texted Will, I think it's the part where they're having that fight, and I said, it's toxic, but I reckon Jackie and Pete have amazing sex. Yes, they do. It's the way that Pete, like, breathes into her mouth after they kiss, like, huh? It's like a growl. It's like a guttural growl. Um, it's, it's fucking hot. But then going back to the Do- Rose and Doctor's relationship, um, which we will rename next week. We'll think of it. We'll think of a very catchy, won't. fun we name. Won't. Probably won't. We'll probably say not that kind of But the, doctor. um... I think their relationship, it feels grounded enough that they can have fights that they feel comfortable having. Even though he says he's walking out mm. and he's going to leave her. She knows he won't. Yeah. And he knows he won't. And they clearly know each other very well at this point. Yes. And I think that's a nice touch. And it ends with them holding hands. And that is really cute. And I don't know if that's meant to be seen as... I don't know, you know what? I think it is romantic. I... It, it's not sexual, but it's romantic. I also like that in the pace of them when they're walking away, it's almost like the Doctor is leading Rose because of her trauma. It's almost like he's guiding her back to the TARDIS. If he feels suddenly supported. Yes. Rather than instructing. Yeah. Instructional. Although it could be kind of seen as like, I'm your new dad. I'm your daddy now. Well, there, there is a weird comparison because she says you're not the most important man in my life now. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. I think that's which I, he didn't. Strange enough, didn't have that concern with Adam. No, but it, it it's so interesting that I think at this point it is very clear the Doctor is in love with Rose. Yes, and I, for whatever that means for him as a nine hundred year old alien, I think the closest human equivalent is that he is in love with her, mm. and that's what I get in these episodes. But I don't know if she's in love with. Nine, in the way that she very clearly is with ten. Yes, I think that her calling him out and saying, almost basically saying you're being controlling, mm. or that you need me to see you as the most important person when, at this moment, it's actually about my dad. I think it's an uneasy comparison. To it's it's like being told that someone loves you like a brother when you're in love with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Except father, which is like ten times worse. But then that also makes the... If we go down that line of thought, that makes the ending of the parting of the ways very problematic. Because that is... No, because it's not... Because it's not about we'll, the kiss, we'll talk, we'll, we'll, talk, we'll talk about that. Yeah. It's... But I don't think... Again, I think it's a romantic kiss, but it's not a sexual kiss. Mm-hmm. Very little about the Doctor, even though he has the potential to be romantic, is sexual with Rose. Yeah. Either Doctor. I think it's very easy to read um, read being, the Doctor being asexual into the, into the show. And I quite... Asexual isn't aromantic. Yes. That's, that's my point, is that I think that you can have romance without sex, which is wonderful. The only Doctor that I think is explicitly any sexual, like definitely heterosexual, is eight. Yes. Eight fucks. Eight really does fuck. We saw it with Grace. Immediately. He gets very... He got excited. He got his memory back. His first instinct was to kiss Grace. I thought she kisses... No, he kisses her and then he she tells her. him to stick it in. I'm yeah. Like, <laughs> kiss her again. Oh, dear. And, and on that note... Um, uh, what, what are you going to rate the episode? Yeah. <laughs> you got to me. Um, I'm going to give this episode a... We're doing point fives, aren't we? No. Okay. I think... Okay. Um, if you think we are, we're not. Okay. Um, I'm going to give this episode a... I'm going to give it an 8. You're going to give it an 8? I, was, I, was, I wasn't sure if you were going to say 9. No, no. It's not It's not 
fully perfect. And it's... Have we given any nines? We have not, but I know the episode that I am going to give a nine. Okay, I'm interested to see if it's the one I think it is. I really don't think you'll think it is. I think you'll be surprised about which one it is. I'll ask you after we've stopped recording. Fabulous. Actually, I won't. Yeah, we'll leave it into a um, surprise. I would give it an eight. Because there are a few things which stop it from being perfect. Mm. But I think... What other episodes have got an eight? Uh, ooh, that was an interesting noise. Um, Did Aliens in London get an eight? I think we gave that a seven. Um, I can't remember. We should have kept notes. We're good. Okay, next next week. You heard Dalek, it here first. Dalek had an eight. Dalek had an eight, yes. Although I think that Alex rated it lower. Yeah, I think he did. How do we count our scores when we have a guest? I think we just say Charlie's score, Will's score. Oh, and... Well, I guess just have an average of average, average, average of every score. Um, right. Next week, we will be reviewing... The Empty Child, baby. The Empty Child with guest. With guest. Uh, we, we hopefully will have the wonderful Siobhan Brown on. Uh, but this don't, seg- why say that yeah if, exactly if we don't get him we sound like dicks <laughs> yeah. okay if we're, we get him we're keeping this bit yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> otherwise he's a great guy but otherwise he's not on the show he's in which case next week we're gonna have a surprise guest no i'm just gonna i'm just gonna like do a thing and then i like, saw you da, 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 da. yeah like all right take care we love you very much uh be sure to follow us on twitter and instagram you can find the links in our description uh no well, you will for this episode. Follow us on Twitter. Just, you just follow my Instagram because that's why I'm posting it all. We don't have an oh, Instagram yeah. page. You don't, I thought we did. No, I've just been posting on mine. Oh, we'll fix that. We'll fix that. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.